the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. Tonight I am your host. I am the DSP Lee Walker. Joining me is the adorable one. And we do not have former WWE writer Rob Hockman here with us tonight. Uh, that lucky mofo is on a cruise right now. Uh, so enjoy yourself, Rob. Relax, sit back, and enjoy. Perched on the top rope. Fair enough. There's a lot to cover, I would say. Uh, we, had a, we had a plan last week that we said we would uh, just focus on Ring of Honor, Al, and then a bunch of and stuff then, happened. Yeah, then uh, all hell broke loose. Uh, as I like to say, uh, WWE is going to WWE, and we started the week off with a bang. Jeff Hardy went home for the weekend, and literally in the middle of the match, at a, at a house show. Um, then we find out two days later, WWE.com. WWE has released Jeff Hardy. Can't say that I'm surprised. Um, I'm not saying necessarily that we know what happened with Jeff. Nobody's 100% sure. Um, but I also know that in situations where something like this happens where you know someone doesn't finish a match for whatever reason vince had to be pissed enough to where even if something didn't supposedly happen that he just said the hell with it get rid of him and they had him released um all i know is that my thoughts and prayers are with jeff or whatever he's going through um i'm not saying it's once again not speculating not saying what it is but whether it's injury related or his past demons or anything else, uh, I just hope Jeff gets some help. Well, without speculating, because that's what your boy did, SRS. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, SRS is the one who you know helped break the news, tweeting that Jeff Hardy was released. Sean Ross app, in case any of you don't know who SRS is. <laughs> Fightful.com. I expect a shameless plug back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he helps breaking the news that Jeff Hardy is released. And then he uh, like kind of subtweeted underneath his tweet mm-hmm. and wrote that he had heard from WWE officials that it had to do with wwe asking jeff to go to rehab he said no so they said you're fine anyway uh there's some controversy around this as jeff hardy's wife uh tweeted jeff is fine our family's fine And basically, it doesn't matter, and I quote, what you heard. Mm -hmm. So he's telling everybody to kind of go mind their own business. Yes. Uh, I mean, there was also, I had heard at one point, whether it was something recent or in the past, that Matt Hardy was on a podcast and had brought up 
that uh all right we're gonna have to edit this part i fucked up my bad Okay, so I don't know if it was something recent or if it was like something from the past where Matt Hardy was on a podcast and he, he had talked about Jeff and, and the frustrations and this and that and had openly admitted about wanting Jeff to come to AEW. So, I mean, it's got to be pretty recent then, I would say. Mm, yeah. Um, but I'm sure, you know, he's gone on shows in the past and said things like that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Jeff is frustrated with whatever his position is. Because it, it it let's be honest, he's been a lackluster. We've we see we see him beat Carrion Cross in in Carrion's debut, and we think that that's like a, a head in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That feud ends rather fast as he ends up losing more to Carrion. We see him chasing around for the twenty four seven championship, not really in the limelight for any big runs at any championship at this moment maybe he saw the writing on the wall and was frustrated and went home maybe it is drug related we don't know until we hear from jeff or we hear from those who position jeff to take option a or you're getting released or those that were involved in the situation too which I mean, yeah. it was it was Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and the Usos. So the likelihood that we're ever gonna, you know, get an answer out of them, those guys are gonna be with the company forever, so their mouths are gonna stay shut. So the likelihood that Roman, Drew, Jimmy, or Jay are ever gonna say anything about the situation is very slim. So it's gonna be someone that works within the company that we hear the news from one day, or we're gonna hear Jeff go on somebody else's podcast. Um, and he's going to probably like give his side of the story or something. Uh, until then I'm not, I'm not speculating because I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm like, I, I take the dirt sheets for what they are and everything, but I mean, Sean Ross is, is good at what he does. He's, mm-hmm. you know, I would say he's the next big thing for wrestling journalism and I'm using journalism in quotations as uh, Sean Wood on Twitter. So looking at you, Uncle Dave. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, speaking of uh, contracts being up, Goldberg only has one more match left. That's crazy. That's crazy that out of all of the, you know, ever since he's came back that he's had this long contract that's only had these dates split up. And it's, it's weird to think that we might only see him one more time. Yeah. And you know, you know who else had like a, a quiet release too was uh Kari Zane. Yeah. Um, she, she's gone over, she moved over back to Japan a while ago, wanted to be closer to her family. And there's a lot of people suspecting that she was originally like they were going to mutually part ways back then, but she then went on to be an ambassador for the company and sounds like she was just trying to basically get paid until she couldn't Yeah, and decided, was, you know, to leave. Well, I mean, the, also the TV deal is also, yeah. up, you know, that that's been cut now, which sucks, but. Well, good for her. I know she wanted to be around her family more, so I hope she gets the chance to. Yeah. And, and her husband couldn't come over here for whatever reason. Yeah. So 
and they had just gotten married, but she was still here. So yeah, you can't blame her. Yeah, not at all. But you know, while we're on the trend of WWE, this past Monday was the anniversary of Trish Stratus versus Lita, which was the first women's main event of Raw, mm-hmm. which is why we saw uh, this past Monday the main event was Liv Morgan versus Becky Lynch. I I remember watching the Lita and Trish match. It was really good. But Al, I'm going to ask you about this because I, I already have my opinion on it. From what Trish and Lita were for 2000, did Liv and Becky live up to it for 2021? That's, how, uh, that's a hard comparison in my mind because most people, you look at Lita and Trish and they're the goats. They're the two greatest female wrestlers of all time. Anytime a women's wrestler is compared to somebody, it's it's Trish and Lita, so it's always hard to live up to. That being said, Becky should also kind of draw that same ire in today's pro wrestling landscape because she is the big thing. Um, she is the Trish and Lita of this generation. Um However, if you're going to kind of compare those matches, I love Liv Morgan. I actually wanted her to win, but Liv's no Trish Stratus. She's no Lita. Not yet. They haven't positioned her to be that way. So do I think they measured up? No. Hear me out. I thought Becky did a fantastic job with the promos. Liv. She's getting better. Yes. And I hate to do that, though. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. However, it, I, I'm just calling it how I see it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into a little fantasy booking with this because this is one of the main reasons why I brought it up besides the anniversary thing. If I was the producer in booking this, I would have it be the upset shocker live wins. Yeah. But, but you do it in this way. Have live cheat to win foot on the ropes, whatever, with like a, a cheap roll-up kind mm-hmm. of pop. The, the fans would go crazy anyway, regardless. Mm-hmm. Boom, you know, show ends, Becky's upset, blah, blah, blah. Go to next Monday. Becky goes to Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville to complain. Mm-hmm. Gets her rematch and they have the rematch at the pay-per-view then that's where you have Liv drop it back to Becky. Or if you are confident enough with Liv, have Liv win again. Mm -hmm. But I would say that with WWE, they would throw the title right back. But for that split second on Raw, you gave a feel-good moment. You gave that that big, you know, that thing that the the crowd needed, the upset, the things that shocked, you know, the the whole entire entire audience. And then everyone's going back to Facebook on, on their Facebook groups in, in including perched on the top rope and commenting how mad they are that, that live one and, and lives not that good or this or that, which you're talking down somebody because the person you wanted to win didn't win, but the heel of Becky Lynch over that feel good moment, I felt would have been a, a, a nice boost in ratings mm-hmm. if they would have, if they would have gone that route. You know, instead they just continued the trend that they did, which is fine. But for this little time where you, you know, in between, 
where, where you have like a little lackluster of, well, who's facing Becky next. Mm-hmm. You've got a program. You got a little program that goes to the next pay-per-view and then you, then you have time to build something in between. Right. That easily could have ran through the Royal. Like, I feel like the storyline between the two of them is now basically done. Maybe there's one more match, but it's like, it's not going to go on super long. That if it had been done your way would have achieved two things. One, uh, it would have given people more of a reason to tune into raw every week because, you know, the surprise roll up the win, you know, the people would have been excited that there was a title change in the main event. Yeah. Um, they would give them a reason to tune in next week or whatever. Um, and two, you could easily run that program through the Royal Rumble, and then you only have to set up one more person after for whoever the champion is going into WrestleMania season. Yeah, you know. Whatever, though. WWE is going to WWE, Lee. You know that. There it is. That's what I like to hear. It's not. Leave- it's a shame, though. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I would have realistically I wanted live, but you know that you knew what was going to happen. It, it's just it is what it is. Yep. Anyway, moving on, Al. Uh, AW Rampage, the debut of of Hook. Send Hook. Send I Hook. I don't mean to laugh, but. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I was thinking. Send hook. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you about this. I am so on board the hook train. It's not even funny. And someone explained this the best way the other day because uh, I was, I would I honestly think it was a TikTok that I was watching. And someone was talking about why everybody loves hook so much when he's barely done anything. And it's because it's, it's very simple. This generation are like our generation of uh, professional wrestling viewers. We've basically turned hook into a meme. He's the silent one of team Taz. He does nothing. And now he comes in and chokes out Fuego del Sol and wins. Everybody's basically turned the, him into this, like this unique, uh, like enigma that we just for whatever reason decided he's the one and because of that he's massively over with everybody and it's it's simply because wrestling fans like they memed him into existence yeah and just like the the whole peter pan one Mm -hmm. of the the movie i i shared that around uh it was funny someone like someone in in a, in a Facebook post was like, "So, do you think Taz is going to be on commentary for this?" And all I wrote back was, "Dot dot dot." You call him Peter Pan when he's doing commentary with his son. <laughs> you know, like I thought it was hilarious. But uh, when you, which is funny because Taz's real life first name is Peter. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> That's why, like, I was like, I was making the joke because, like, if all of the, all the tie-ins, they're all there. Yep, all there, all of it. You know, um, the only thing I, I I loved his, like, the way he like walked out. You know, had like this like badass like kind of MMA thing to him. I wasn't a fan of the theme music. It was not what I was expecting. No, I wanted um, to be something more like Taz's. Yeah, I was ex- uh, like. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I didn't expect some sort of like 
rap thing. It, it, I'm also not a rap fan, so that probably doesn't help any. Um, <laughs> but it was it was uh, it was good. It was a good match for. I mean, I thought at one point we were going to see Fugo unmasked, like for like the eight hundredth time. Okay. <laughs> you know, or like oh. bro, or bro needs to like start buying better masks, or maybe. like get some better rope to keep it tied in the back. <laughs> or get like what Ultimo Dragon has, which we've interviewed him, youtube.com slash perch on the top rope, Apple Podcast Perch on the Top Rope. Uh his expensive masks that like he wears are like it's a zipper and everything, dude. It's like oh, crazy. Yeah. It's like it's it's a zipper and then like under like the jaw and everything, like in the jawline, it's mm-hmm. like it's all button. Oh, that's and, cool. I have one uh, upstairs when when we brought him in for that Albany show. Mm-hmm. I, I got one. It's freaking insane. But yeah, so that almost happened. Uh, I thought it was a great match. You know, of course, wrestled exactly how I thought he would. Like show, a father. Show, yep. Which, which, which was great. Like brought back memories. So. Send hook. <laughs> I am on team send hook. Send, I, one day when team Taz implodes and eventually breaks up, I just want, I want hook to choke out every single one of them. A <laughs> boy's going to be a world champion one day. Uh. Everyone's going to be like, Hey, Hey man, you remember when you were a meme? <laughs> and then they'll get choked out too. Yeah, you know who's all over the place right now? Ooh, Matt Cardona. Dude, I know. Did you see? He uh, sent out that tweet the other day that said WWE was my developmental. And it had him, I think, with like the GCW world title, him yep. uh, when he attacked Trevor Murdoch at NWA uh, Ampage or something, whatever the name of the show is, um, where he was holding the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I don't remember what the third one was. It was something from Impact, wasn't it? Yeah, well, right now he's looks like he's gonna gun for the NWA ten pounds of gold. Tack Trevor Trevor Murdoch. I do too, because like if you get the we're like seeing Cardona like come into his own, Mm. but he's like very unique everywhere he goes, like uh, GCW, knowing that the crowd hates him. Uh, he he showed a, a very different side of himself to the crowd. Impact. He he's a a, a baby face, but he wants he, he's right now interjected between Moose and Morrissey for for the Impact World Title. I feel like and, he's trying different personalities around different promotions to see what sticks better. Yeah, see what kind of crowd reaction. I mean, G, GCW. He's got like. The, the, you want heat there's a crowd with heat with him yeah uh, honestly i in in 2021 i'm honestly digging i'm digging the heel matt cardona more than anything right now i think he could be a brutal heel with the amount of uh muscle mass he's put on over the past couple of years ditch the you know i know you love the gimmick that he's had forever the uh the long island ice Z, um, you know, the, the broski and everything, but you know what? Ditch it, ditch it all. You, you, you're this huge guy now. 
become a massive heel. And I think that is what takes him to the next level because he's got heat in so many places right now. And there are so many fans that would love to boo him and he knows it and he plays into it so well. You know what I think he needs though, more than anything needs a change in his wrestling style. Cause like a lot of what he does still just emulates Zack Ryder. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm probably one of the biggest fans of his. I've got ring worn gear of his as Zack Ryder from the sunglasses and, and, and a shirt that he tossed. I mean, your original nickname was inspired by Zack Ryder. Exactly. Um, all the action figures, right? All signed. I've had every T-shirt that he had as Zack Ryder. Well, don't get me wrong. Zack Ryder was was a great time. Zack Ryder is a great character. Nobody will yeah. ever take that away from him. But and he said it himself: the Zack Ryder character is dead. It's, it's yes. gone. the Zack Ryder character was gone the moment that he was released from WWE, and but, now he is Matt Cardona. And he yeah. needs to be Matt Cardona, like you're saying. Yeah, and but and, but my thing about it is when it comes to that, mm-hmm. I think he needs to change his wrestling style too because, as I say, it emulates Zack Ryder too much. He still mm-hmm. does the broski boot, the finishing move, you know, uh, the elbow drop. Yep. You know, we know he can do a 450. Bring that back out. Right, and, if, like- and even even modify one of the finishers to just be a little more vicious. Like the Broski boot, he could do that without like the woo woo or whatever, and he could he could make it faster and make it look like actually like more brutal or something like that. Because he did that when he had a segment with Moose, like I believe it was last week on Impact, and he yeah. hit it. He hit him with it so quick and so hard, it didn't even make me think of the Broski boot. Yeah, so- like yeah, like instead of like walking back the way he does. Like sprint yourself to the turnbuckle and hit it like how uh, Daniel Bryanson would when he would like do the kick to the, in the mm-hmm. corner to somebody and then yeah, run back just do like a it. different angle or something. Yeah, like like slam yourself into the ropes hard and just dead sprint to do it. But like you know, like I even said, like the, the rest of his move set is still all there from WWE as well. You know, and I know he's added some stuff, but it's still just, it's too much still. I, I 100% agree. I think the moment he drops a little bit more of that and adds more of like a little vicious edge to his moveset, I think the sky's the limit for him. And I, I think I think we're slowly seeing him trans- transition into that more lately than when he first arrived on the Indies or AEW or Impact. It is slowly changing a little bit, and I think he's going to be one of the major players in pro wrestling to watch out for in 2022. Dude, I've been watching. I've been watching Matt since uh, his days of the New York Wrestling Connection. Right. So I was going to say, yeah, I've been watching him since him and Kurt Hawkins were the major brothers when they yeah. uh, when they showed up in WWE in 2007 or eight, and they were this you know young tag team that just showed up on SmackDown and then became the edgeheads and everything was history. 
I mean, yeah. And if it was it real realistically, if it wasn't for Cardona, everything that is here in all my like man caves in mm. this would not be here. He's like what started me collecting because I would like, I was listening to the podcast like that he was doing mm-hmm. and, and just him on Twitter sharing like his toy room. And I'm like, need. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and that's what happened. Well, I'm rallying behind Cardona in 2022. I am too. I, I hope, I want to see him win and become a belt collector. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. At least, even if he even if he doesn't win, bolt. I'd like to see him win at least one. I think the ten pounds of gold would be a good one. Yeah, I think that would be a good one to help his legacy too. And I think that would help the NWA with a big modern name attached to the championship. And that's nothing against Trevor Murdoch at all. No, because he's he's doing a hell of a job. It's just it's yeah. adding to the legacy after Trevor's reign is done. Yeah, and you know I think that would bring more attention That's to NWA nice. as well. So let's hope and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to get to some bad news. I don't like ever doing it. Yeah. So uh, we'll start off before we talk about. Ring of Honor's final battle. A few days before the event, we had learned uh, from Ring of Honor that Bandito had tested positive for COVID, which took him out of being able to wrestle at final battle and defend the ROH World Championship. Very sad. It was a very sad timing. Uh especially considering that this is quite possibly the last ring of honor show ever. We don't know what they're coming back as when they come back in April. Um, so it's, I, I, I feel for bandito, you know, there's a special show that everyone's doing. Everyone's part of it and test positive for COVID-19 and he's got to stay at home. He can't defend his own world title. There's a world title match happening and he was champion and didn't get to defend the championship. And I can just imagine that it probably felt awful. Yeah. I can't imagine how he feels, to be honest with you. Uh, but Ring of Honor had a quick solution and a replacement, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And the replacement is freshly signed. AEW talent, Jay Lethal. I think if anybody was going to read the replacement, the Jay Lethal was the correct answer. Jay Lethal has helped carry Ring of Honor on his back for years now. And I think he was the exact right person to put in the main event. Yeah. I If it wasn't him, I was hoping for like another ring of honor legend, like maybe Christopher Daniels, I think mm. he did or something or like a Frankie Kazarian, somebody or even like punk Brian, some, someone legend of ring of honor to come back and do it. And I think Jay lethal was a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. So they, they gave me what I wanted. 
which I, I wanted a legend to be part of it. The issue I have, okay. I'm going to talk about it now okay. before like we talk about final battle. The issue I have with it is how Tony Khan acts about everything. Prime example, when we were on the media call for All Out and um, the female asked about the female, why AEW hasn't done or will do a all women's event. And he like stopped her before she could even finish the question and was like, I've totally helped women's women in wrestling. I pretty much paid for that NWA event. I paid to send talents there. I did this. I did that. And with Jay Lethal and some other things we'll talk about, he did it again. I don't know if it's like a millennial thing or whatever gen he is. I think he's the same age as me. I think. But, but like, not everything has to come back and be made about Tony Khan. Yeah. Like, if they wanted to, in their way, they would thank you on air or find a way to thank you. And it seems like he's not getting that thank you that he wants. So he goes and makes it known himself. Which, in my eyes, is kind of like a very narcissistic or egotistical kind of thing to do. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I also realize that I've never met anyone who's not famous or not rich and has an ego or is, has some sort of narcissistic trait to themselves. Yeah, but so, at least they keep their mouths shut on social media most of the time. Yeah, so, well, I mean, they have other people running them, I would assume, but yeah. something like, like that, it bothered me. Like, you had to take away something good that's going to turn it around to make it about you. Like, you could have just let the event go on and not say anything, but it seems like that's not what he wanted. He wanted it to be known. And if they weren't going to be like, well, we'd like to thank AEW and Tony Khan for doing X, Y, Z, then what the hell? Yeah, he was like, I'll just thank myself then. So that's the only problem I've had with it. Other than that, I don't want fans to like take like me acting like this away from the show because the Ring of Honor final battle was amazing, dude. It was so incredible. It was such a good show. Uh, you know, you and I usually don't sit down and watch Ring of Honor pay-per-views much. No offense to them. I just, I don't really know. I really know when they're on. Um, but we decided that we were going to sit down and watch uh, Ring of Honor final battle last night. So we'd be able to talk about it today. And oh my God, man, it was such a good show. Dude, it was it was awesome. For what makes it hard for me isn't so much the pay per views. It was the, the the TV deal they had trying to find 
the channel and the time that it's on in this area. And I don't even think we have it anymore. Mm -hmm. So like it was basically resorting to trying to find streams to watch it, which if I couldn't, I just gave up and would read about the results, but the pay-per-view, like they've always done a good job with their pay-per-views and uh, we'll talk final battle. And then we'll, we'll talk like some of our favorite moments within ring of honor but um l i believe you have the card i do um we're not really gonna go over the pre-show because there was just a lot of people on the pre-show and i think that was mainly like people that weren't in like the they weren't on the main card they were trying to out of respect i think put them on the pay-per-view like flip gordon yeah um, if they weren't on the main card, I think they were trying to get as many people on the pre-show as possible out of respect to allow them to be on the final show as well. Um, Hold on real quick though. Were there any names on the pre-show that were, you know, like little surprises? We can talk about those at least. Well, uh, PJ black was on the pre-show. We had flip Gordon beer city bruiser, uh, Chelsea green, uh, Allison K, Marty Bell, Angelina Love, Mandy Leone. Yeah, that's normal roster people. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was normal. It was, I was mostly the. Uh, we had Shane Taylor Promotions. Um, I think they had uh, Danhausen did commentary. Danhausen did do commentary, which was pretty awesome to see. I've become um, a huge Danhausen fan, by the way. Everybody, go to his YouTube. Man's and hilarious. Watch his vlogs. They're great. They're uh, I, I just watched the, the last one he just put up, which he was at big event. And I was, I was there representing perched on the top rope with the inspiration fans. You can go to our TikTok. We have really cool video of fan art of the inspiration made out of nails. That's correct. Nails, not from WWF with not the man that punched out Vince McMahon. Yeah, not that nails, but I'm talking like nails, hammer and nails. Uh, it was really cool. Anyway, um, and in the clip, he was talking about that. And I actually saw our bodyguard that we had, one of uh, Vince McMahon's bodyguards. That was that like he was in the video. It was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's sitting with uh, the gun club. Billy's off in a corner and he's in between in between uh, the two boys. And he goes, mm, yes, I'm with the famous Ash Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the Ash Boys. One of, one of them gets so mad. He, they go, Dad, Dan House is making fun of us. And, he just <laughs> looks, and you see Billy's like, he just looks over and he's like, good <laughs> in, like a true, in like a true dad comment he's just like good good you deserve it dad he's making fun of us that's hilarious yeah oh god yeah no he's uh. funny all right so in the first match we had on the main card we had dragon lee defeating ray horse by pinfall in the next following match we had ray titus defeating dalton castle silas young and joe hendry in a four-corner survival match for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. This was 
for the second match of the night, I was ready for that to be match of the night. Dead serious. Like this was a super solid match and it could have gone to anybody at that point. Dalton castle for starters is is hilarious. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, with his, his little guys running around with him and the clapping and everything. Oh yes. The boys. The boy he had he had a couple of times where like he just ran around the ring doing that ran up the entrance and this and that it was hilarious. Um, I've watched Dal- Dalton Castle on and off for years now, and he's one of the most entertaining wrestlers I've ever watched. Oh, he, he's he's fantastic. Uh, Joe Hendry, in the beginning, like when everything was going on, at first I was like, "Yo, this man seems extremely uninterested being here." Like, like he seemed salty because they even brought up on air the last time he was there was like December, 2020 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and we've interviewed both Rhett and Joe Hendry. You can go to our YouTube, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. And you can watch those interviews. Uh, was really shocking to see how he was like that in the beginning of the match. And then as time went on, uh, he and Dalton like formed an agreement to work, work with each other, which mm-hmm. was rather interesting. Cause like Joe played like this, like really silent kind of like sneak attack type, which was cool. Um, and like I said, it could have gone to anybody in that match. Dalton could have retained. You could have seen everybody else in that match. win. it, that's just how I saw it as. I thought Dalton was going to win, to be honest with you. So did I. I think it was cool for Rhett to win, especially since like he had been a, a big part of the pure championship, the pure rules matches and everything. So to be able to see him come out of a, a, a pure rules match and, and have a match like this, it was awesome. And I, as much as I say anybody could win, I think the right person won. Absolutely. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Especially with his reaction after he won. Like that was pure excitement for him. 100%. Absolutely. He was, he was proud to have won. And like you said, it was, it was an incredible match, but he's also been part of ring of honor for a while, a very long time back to uh, his early days, tag teaming with Kenny King, to uh, returning and tag teaming with Kenny King to going to the pure division. And now on quite possibly his last time on a ring of honor show, winning the world television championship. He was, he was happy to be there. He was proud to hold the gold. And it was, it was, that was a really good feel good moment early on in the show. And uh, speaking of championship matches and pure championship Lee, you and I called this match when we were talking about this card last week. Josh Woods defeats Brian Johnson by technical submission for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship in a Pure Rules match. You and I had stated that if Ring of Honor comes back as a different type of show, that Josh Woods is the guy to build the show around, and his win over Brian Johnson kind of solidified that for me. Um, The man's huge, he's good, and he's got the looks. I think if they come back, whether they come back as Ring of Honor 
and just go a different direction or they come back as an entirely different show, Joshua just is the man that you center that company around for the future. Well, I mean, if they were smart about it, and we'll talk about this later with other matches, mm-hmm. don't just take Josh Woods, take the whole foundation. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a solid faction there. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, that after you just added Rhett Titus now winning the champion, the TV championship there, mm-hmm. now you have Josh Woods, the current pure championship, who he defeated his own team member, John Gresham, to get mm-hmm. that championship, by the way, who was undefeated, by the way, holding that championship. Very, very talented man josh woods and josh woods has mma experience if you're a ufc fan you know this uh just like M- mlw has tom tom lawler mm-hmm. who they've built you know a faction around him i would i would 100 agree they need to keep him as a competitor and this match so like if you don't know the pure rules uh in the interview with Rhett titus we go over the rules youtube.com slash perch on top rope um the rules are simple you only get three rope breaks after three if your foot's on the rope or you go to in a submission to tap out and think holding the rope is going to save you it's not going to save you anymore uh there's some other rules but i'd I'd like you to go to our youtube channel and, and hear and listen to rhett explain it utilizing the rules can make or break you in the match. Mm-hmm. And I watching early on, I'd seen that it's a very different, it's a very different style of, of pro wrestling and it's very unique. And I, I, I did like it. It has more of a technical wrestling feel to it as opposed to a regular wrestling match or like a Lucha Libre match or like a strong style of Japan. It was r- really, really fitting for Woods for that Absolutely. MMA, for that MMA experience that right there, like gave him an upper hand. I thought, yeah, I feel like that type of match generally uh, gives an advantage to a more mat based MMA inspired move set to begin with. Yeah. So Josh Woods clearly had the advantage going into that one. And and early on, Josh had had him use all his rope breaks. Mm-hmm. It was in like the first, I think it was the first six minutes of the match. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. But if you haven't had a lot of experience with a, a pure rules match it might not be something you catch on to, but like, as soon as it happened, I was like, this guy's in trouble. The next time Woods slaps him with a submission, it could be over. And then that's where you got to start getting unique with the rules. And we even saw cheating in the match, which is not allowed. Like for example, you're only allowed one closed fist to use. Like you can only hit, you can only like throw one punch. Mm -hmm. Um, that rule I think is a little loose because at one point you can see them both like going at it and they're just straight up this. I mean, 
it's a unique match. It's really cool. It it's right up Josh Woods alley. And then like you said, we predicted it. Yeah. Cause I, I think, I think whatever ring of honor does with their company in the future, if they return, I think Josh Woods is going to be the man. Yeah. I, I think he's their diamond in the rough right now, but um, moving on to our next match. Holy crap. If you enjoy extreme rules matches, if you enjoy hardcore matches, if you enjoy Matches with weapons. Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. My God, what a war. Yeah, this was awesome. It was they uh they did a really, really great job, both competitors. Um there's there's no way around to describe how that match was besides it was awesome. Literally. Yeah. There's no other way. The, 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 I mean, it was tables, ladders, chairs. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> um, definitely. I would say the scariest part was when uh, Kenny set up the, the, the ladder, ladder, the ladder across the barricade spot. Yeah. Like when you're playing uh, WWE 2K20 yep. and He's like in the middle and he's yelling at Shane Taylor, come on, you bitch. And, and, you know, meet him in the middle. Shane's a big dude. They're not using staged ladders like WWE does. Uh, Nope. And like, obviously Shane didn't want to fully walk out there and you completely understandable. So things happen. That part gave me anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Shane sets Kenny up for the package pile driver. Mm-hmm. As soon as like he lifts him up and goes to like sit out part of the ladder, like just drops, like, mm-hmm. like slides off mm-hmm. and they drop to the ground. Dude. That I was, was watching that and I was like, are, are they going to live through this? <laughs> I watched that and all I thought was, oh my God, I hope he didn't just break his neck. Yeah, me too. However, though, one of the funniest things that happened in this match, at one point, Shane Taylor, him and him and Kenny are just going at it. And he like throws Kenny back into the ring. He walks around the corner of the outside of the ring and he looks over to Ian Riccoboni and says something along the lines of, because Ian's like freaking out because the match has been so violent and whatnot. And he says something along the lines of like, I think like fire me, Rick Abani, or something like that, even though he's not in charge. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm fired too. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like one of the first references that they made to the whole situation on air. And it was just, it was hilarious, but you know, we get towards the end of this match, this all out war between the two of them. Kenny King's on his knees in the ring. Shane Taylor's got the steel chair and he's ready to just destroy. It. And Kenny looks up. He knows basically that he's done and he tells him to do it. He like starts swearing at him. He tells him to do it. Shane cracks him over the head with the steel chair and he covers him and he gets the victory. This was my personal favorite match of the night. Yeah. I felt like this took over match of the night for me. Uh, it was a great match. There was a lot of high bumps and it was just great, great, great match. 
and, you know, and then after Shane Taylor promotions, his guys come out, Kenny has, you know, his guy come out and check on him. And then after, you know, that, that code of honor, pretty much every match after it was all handshakes and hugs and that was great. And then we saw Shane Taylor promotions do their thing. And that was the end of that. And solid match. Yeah. That, that definitely uh, moved up for me for match of the night, but there's still plenty of more to come. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, we have the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. We have Roxy defeating Willow Nightingale for the Women's World Championship. And it's crazy because in the video package leading up to this match, you see Roxy basically talk about how sh- proud she was to um, win the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship tournament. She did win that. She became the first Ring of Honor Women's World Champion because they did rebrand the title. Um, and she spoke about how she wanted to be the first and last women's world champion. And if that title does go away after last night, then she succeeded in her journey last night. Um, the women's match, it wasn't, wasn't too, there wasn't too many memorable spots. Um, unfortunately, I don't, I, that's my one little dispute is I wish they had given them a little more time. However, after the match, Roxy is celebrating in the ring and the music of the queen of wrestling, Diona Perazu plays and she walks to the ring with the Reina's day, Reina's uh, championship, the women's world championship from AAA. And she tells Roxy that she holds something that she believes is hers. And that after she's done defeating Mickey James, at hard to kill and wins back the impact knockouts championship that she wants a match with Roxy for the ring of honor women's world championship. Lee, what did you think about all the events? I thought it was awesome. Um, when it comes to that particular moment, I was like, this is great. But then I was like, how is she going to defend it and this and that? And then, uh, Ian did make sure that he brought up on commentary that there are still two more TV tapings to take place for Ring of Honor before it's officially over with. Mm-hmm. This just happened to be the last pay-per-view. So I hope fans make sure that they catch those last TV tapings. Uh, whether this match ends up happening on one of those or somewhere else that, hey, you know, we I don't know yet. I, I, I'm assuming it's going to happen on one of the TV tapings, to be honest. I would like to see, you know, if they're going to keep ROH around, that maybe it becomes like the their, their championships become like the WWF light heavyweight championship when it was created in 1983. Mm-hmm. It wasn't used in the WWF. It was used all over. You know, that's why guys like Chris Benoit was a champion and wasn't even in WWF at the time. Ultimo Dragon held that championship and the WCW Cruiserweight Championship at the same time. He was the first to ever bring a WWF title to WCW. Sorry, Medusa. That interview with Ultimo Dragon, which is super rare, by the way, is on YouTube.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. Really getting good at the shameless plugs. Uh, 
That's what happens when you don't have sponsors. <laughs> oh yeah. But no, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, the next match we had, and I'm not going to butcher their tag team name because I couldn't figure it out when they were saying it last night. So we had the team of Brody King, Homicide, Tony Deppin, and Rocky Romero defeating the team of EC3, Eli Isom, Taylor Rust, and Tracy Williams. This match was insane for a couple of reasons. There was like, they were tagging, like the match started off like, um, they started off like, a WWE eight man tag team match. Like it was, it was slow at first, you know, um, they kind of, you know, bided their time a little bit, but then as the match got going, there was tags in tags out. People ran out in the ring, out of the ring. It became a spot fest. It was awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I like those multi-man matches for a lot of reasons like that, the, the spots, uh seeing some old faces that were there was really cool to see too like rocky romero before like originally he was going to do commentary for a match and then brody and the rest of them came around and he was like okay i like violence sure why I not like violence sure um, and I think they also made a note during the match too that the attire that homicide wore during this match was the same attire that he had wore during his first ring of honor pay-per-view. So that was kind of a cool shout out uh, back to his earlier days in ring of honor too. Also, if anybody paid attention into this match and and Ian Riccobadia said this on commentary as well, while it was happening, there was a lot of homage paid to former ring of honor stars in terms of finishers that were being misused in this match. We saw people use the Haluva kick. We saw people use the top rope brain buster, the cattle mutilation that Brian Danielson used to use. Um, I think somebody did a package pile driver in tribute to Kevin Steen slash Kevin Owens. They did a lot of um, paying respects to the former ring of honor stars that either weren't able to make it to the pay-per-view or made it via satellite and were able to actually, you know, be in the ring. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, speaking of like paying tribute, we also saw other wrestlers do things like that. Like cheeseburger love cheeseburger um, was wearing like old school ring gear of his and even brought out mm-hmm. the, the hat and everything. Um and then we saw vignettes from past Ring of Honor legends, such as names you, you have even just brought up mm-hmm. from Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, tons of other stars that couldn't be there for whatever reason. You know, the Young Bucks did mm-hmm. one. It was really nice to see that. I would have loved to have seen like maybe some of them in the crowd or something, uh, which speaking of the crowd, there was something that was like really weird. I noticed instead, like, you know how L on like raw and SmackDown and AEW they don't show the camera side mm-hmm. ring of honor spent a lot of time showing the camera side. I think they, they should not. I think they tried to just show everybody in it. Uh, yeah it was weird but um anyway great match 
However, what happened after the match was even better. Yeah. So EC3's team loses and he grabs a microphone and he's talking to Eli Isom and he's talking about how, you know, they can take back pro wrestling and how, you know, pro wrestling is just, he's sounding like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, He's talking about, you know, the billion dollar corporations are all, you know, just taking everything over, which I mean, he's not wrong, but he's also sounding like kind of crazy at the same time. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. I love this new character of his. And you see two people in hoods uh, come out wearing the free EC3 shirt, one of them being former WWE superstar Wesley Blake. And you hear EC3 say, release the Titan. And out of nowhere comes in former WWE superstar. Former WWE superstar, formerly known as Braun Strowman, Adam Scher made his Ring of Honor debut on the last show of Ring of Honor, joining EC3's Free the Narrative stable, and they make quick work of EC3's teammates. They destroy them, and then they all pick all of them up, and they carry them backstage. I I truly believe that this is either setting up for a big stable um, with the you know the guys that helped attack his team and his teammates because it kind of seems like they're he's doing like this join my cult type thing they're either going to all travel to another promotion or they're going to be the main focus or like the main villains of the show when ring of honor comes back as whatever they come back as so i'm not going to speculate anything on it because i'm i'm not too sure right um because like EC3 and, and Adam, when they had their free the narrative thing, I think it was on, I think it was on Fight TV. But like, I know he does like YouTube stuff as well with it. So I'm interested. I'm hoping it's not like a last thing for the two TV tapings, but I, I, I hope it that there's more of an explanation that comes along with it as time goes and as to what's to happen next. I thought it was incredible. Like when, when Adam came out, mm-hmm. you had texted me right away and I'm like trying to like text at the same time. I know we were both freaking out. Like you know, he was the it, last person I expected to see at this show. Well, and, and the thing we also have to remember is, how many interviews did we did we read Mm -hmm. where he said he was never going to wrestle for anybody but Vince McMahon again exactly yeah uh, I thought it was it was crazy to see him show up anywhere because I was convinced that if he showed up anywhere that it was going to be an AEW um, or else he was going to make the return to WWE or he was going to show up somewhere with Bray but you know the throughout the whole entire time, I never really kept thinking about the fact that, well, aside from Bray and Eric Rowan, who else is he close with? And EC3 is one of his best friends. So it makes sense. I just, I didn't think about it. I've kind of forgot about it. And he was the last person I was expecting to see show up at the show. So uh, I think surprise of the night went to Adam Share showing up at final battle. 
yeah i mean they did make it they did like announce on social media that there'd be some surprises and this was this was a big one um i was happy to see it i i know that you know moose was even part of the the free your narrative like that's where it like it had started with with impact wrestling Mm -hmm. And, and we interviewed moose which guys you can hear moose talk about free the narrative with ec3 on our youtube page and on apple podcast perched on the top rope you'll never so, get you'll never get bad at that no <laughs> but Only- no it was it was a really cool moment to see um i enjoyed it and it was it was cool to see wesley blake again too let's be honest it looked like he was say, wearing the same ring gear as when he was in the forgotten sons though if you paid attention so i don't know how that's going to go over with wwe but whatever <laughs> WWE isn't even paying attention. Yeah, they don't. They probably don't even know what Ring of Honor is anymore. Because you know, if they had, they may have shown some respect and let some former WWE stars or current WWE stars, should I say, show up in uh, vignettes and say stuff too. But that's that's beyond the point. I'm not going to get salty right now. Moving on to the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Title Match. This Gross. one was very emotional for me. Um, more so than the main event, and I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, since I started watching Ring of Honor back in the day, um, I've, I've watched Matt Taven for a long time. I have watched, you and I have seen Matt Taven live. Uh, I've watched the Briscoe Brothers for a very long time. Um, even Mike Bennett for a while, you know, he wasn't around, I would say, as long as the other guys. But, like, I, I watched the early days of the kingdom. I watched the Briscoe brothers, both team and fight each other. So this one was like out of everybody on the card. I feel like this one had more of the, um, these are guys that have been here for a while, a long time fighting it out. The last time there was just, there was a lot of emotion in this match. This match Ended up stealing match of the night for me. Okay. Yeah, I can I can see that it was uh it was it was an insane match. Um, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett operate on a different level together, and you can and we, you can see when they team together that Mike Bennett has a fire that he hasn't had in years. And I, I and this is like why I bring this up that I like I feel like that way. When you watch it, most fans of WWE did not have any Mike Bennett exposure prior to him being Mike Kanellis. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a good Mike Kanellis match in WWE? No, because they wouldn't give him one. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And when you're only given X amount of time in a match, you can't perform a lot of spots that you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. This match showed me a whole different side of Mike Bennett that I hadn't even seen in prior years of like ring of honor type deal. Mm -hmm. And, and speaking of what, you know, speaking of Mike Bennett, we did an interview with Rhett Titus who talks about Mike Bennett youtube.com slash perch on the top rope and you can hear all about it so it was it was incredible and 
Matt Taven's incredible and the Briscoes are incredible. They're, they're four men who cumulatively have a lot of years in Ring of Honor. I mean, the Briscoes were 12, I think they said 11 or 12 time. Um, as, as of last night, when they defeated OGK for the World Tag Team titles, they are now uh, officially 12-time Ring of Honor World Tag okay, Team Okay, that, that's what it was. So now you know they won. <laughs> Way I to mean, go, Lee! But, I mean, how about the, um, the Legion of Doom's finisher? Mm-hmm. You know, but like they're on the ground outside and he runs and dives over the top rope type deal. Mm-hmm. But like when the Briscoes do it and it was the um, the dude on his shoulders with the Canadian destroyer. Oh, like, yeah. Hello. Yeah. I was like, I was like the doomsday device is hands down the best tag team finisher of all time. And then I saw those two spots and I was like, I stand corrected. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the um, one it, is a doomsday device, but the guy was on the outside and just that dive over the top rope. L, you're going to have to come over so that like we can do this on uh, Nintendo 64 with no mercy. Or, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll mess some people up. But no, it was <laughs> it was an incredible match. Like the, the moves that they did, the emotion that was shown. Um, it was it, you could tell that these four guys were going out there to show everybody that, Hey, if this is our last time here, we're going out with a bang, which the Briscoe brothers did. They defeated OGK, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett for the ring of honor world tag team championships, capturing their 12th world tag team championship. After the match, they help the OGK up. They all embrace Maria Canales Bennett, who also showed up for this match comes and gives the Briscoe brothers hugs and they all share a moment. And the Briscoe brothers grab the microphone, basically say, you know, um, if this is our last show, we're going out with the bang. We're the best. You know, this proves it. And then the lights go out. The lights come back on and Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler FTR are standing on the ring ropes. Dude, holy shit moment again. It's uh, it's pretty clear we're heading to a feud between FTR and the Briscoe brothers. Whether that lands in AEW, whether that lands in AAA, is to be seen. But holy shit, this is going to be a brawl. Well, we we do know that the Briscoes had been backstage at AEW once before, mm-hmm. recently. Uh, we do know they are doing something with uh, GCW. Bandito is also doing something with GCW. So time will tell. Time will tell as as to where uh, I, I do notice a reoccurring factor of AAA champions showing up. So, I mean, that would be a, a, a really well-betting guess. But, you know, we also know that one's a champion from Impact, you know, former AEW mm-hmm. tag champ. So, I mean, time will tell. Time will tell, but I cannot wait for that match. That's going to be but, a great match. Absolutely. And it is officially time to cover the main event of quite possibly the last Ring of Honor final battle pay-per-view. Jonathan Gresham versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Not just any Ring of Honor World Championship, the original 
Ring of Honor World Championship as Bandito still will have his championship because he has COVID and, you know, you can't get that back right now. So the old championship has a long line of history behind it of champions that you now see everywhere and everywhere doing big and better things. And I can't remember whose vignette it was. It was maybe either Adam Cole, CM Punk, or Brian Danielson, but they basically say without Ring of Honor, wrestling wouldn't be what it is today. Because if you look around, the Seth Rollins, the Kevin Owens, the Sami Zayn's, the Brian Danielson's, the CM Punk's, Every AJ, name I just mentioned. AJ, I was gonna say AJ Styles. AJ Cesaro. Styles is another one. Cesaro. You you know you start naming these names and you start looking down the Ring of Honor roster and look down to AEW, WWE, Impact, New Japan. There's a lot of former Ring of Honor talents. Mm-hmm. Part of everywhere else. So without Ring of Honor, wrestling would be a whole different landscape it is today. Everybody, no matter where they are in wrestling, should give Ring of Honor a thank you. Pro wrestling wouldn't be the way it is today without Ring of Honor. Its fingerprints are all over the landscape of professional wrestling. There would be no AEW without Ring of Honor. There would be. Yeah, they they basically poached their talent. No offense, Tony Khan. But uh, there would be no AEW without Ring of Honor. There would be no top WWE stars with the exception of maybe Roman Reigns if it were not for Ring of Honor. There would have been no top stars in TNA when they were a you know, much bigger thriving promotion without Ring of Honor. New Japan may not have gotten the exposure in the past you know, 10 or 15 years that they've gotten. They've gotten a lot more exposure because of Ring of Honor, because of the working talent exchange they had with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor's fingerprints are everywhere, and everybody, WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, everybody owes big, a big thank you to Ring of Honor. Absolutely. So, Al, what'd you think of the main event? It was, it was good. It was very good. It was a very technically wrestled match. They they beat the living hell out of each other. Gresham and lethal beat the living hell out of each other. I remember there was one spot where Gresham went to set up like one of his moves. Lethal jumps out of it, hits him with the lethal cutter. And I, the whole, I feel like towards the end of the match, the whole um, hooking point of the main event was that Gresham was trying to sink that octopus stretch submission move in over and over again and he kept getting closer and the crowd kept getting more into it and he kept getting closer and the crowd kept getting more into it and it was at that moment that you knew you knew what they were setting up and eventually jonathan gresham sets in the octopus stretch he's got it locked in lethal has nowhere to go he submits jonathan gresham is the new ring of honor world champion and he lets out this big roar as they like pan the camera back it, it was like it was a perfect cinematic moment where this man just lets out all of his emotion. The, pa- the camera pans back and we have a new Ring of Honor world champion. The whole entire roster was around the ring towards the end of the match. They were all cheering for both men. I had goosebumps. 
that's what made the match for me was towards the end because it just the storytelling behind it with the entire roster coming out and surrounding the ring. I think it led to a perfect ending for what ring of honor was calling the end of an era. I just thought it was a a great way to end. I think they made the right decision with John Gresham. Again, he's another one who's been there for a while now. It's a championship he has not had. Mm-hmm. And I again, he's also a foundation member. Mm-hmm. So that's three out of the four with titles. If it's the end of an era, the foundation went out on top. But as we had also talked about, that's where you need to pick up with. Those need to be your four mainstay whether you keep them as a stable or not, those are the four that you need to really smooth over and in hopes that they don't go anywhere else or that you're already setting, trying to set up deals for April. Mm -hmm. Um, The only issue I had with this entire pay-per-view, which this pay-per-view is better than anything I've seen from, wwe in a long time to be honest with you like um the thing that i had seen the most like that probably bothered me the most about this was how abrupt it ended like as a fan when you know that like this is the end that celebration is longer which i'm sure off air they had that Mm-hmm. But I want to see it right. as a fan. I want to see that even just another minute or two, you know, where like, if like they all got in the ring and like, you know, someone came out and you know, the, the big locker room leaders talked or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like they did that with two CW with, with the final uh, card, which had AJ styles in one of his last independent wrestling uh, matches before going to the Royal Rumble in February, and this was December fifteenth. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, as a fan, like I want that as like a closing chapter and closure type deal. I feel like I didn't get that, and that's the only thing that like I was bothered by. The pay per view was a solid freaking A, man. Like you, that it was great. Every match had its own uniqueness to it. Every match, you know, whether you view them as stars or not, however you view these competitors, they every single one of them put their heart on the line, very well knowing that this is the end. And I just, I think it was, a, I think it was a great pay per view. There's no other way to say it. I agree. I think, sadly, I feel like the reason that the show was cut early was. You know, like we've seen with WWE pay-per-views before, I think it was simply due to time constraints. They they just ran out of time. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. So with that being said, I, I wasn't, I was a little like, I was a little disappointed that I didn't get to see the rest of it at first. But then when I looked at the clock, I was like, well, you got to also, look, you had said this to me, you got to realize how much money they got to pay if they go over. So, yeah. um, you know, 
this show I feel like is more this last show I feel was more about the talent and the fans that were in attendance because they were the ones that showed up for the last show. The talent were the ones that showed up for the last show. If we missed a couple of minutes of it, it sucks. But knowing that the fans in attendance and the wrestlers that took part in this last show got to enjoy it makes me a little bit happier because they deserve it more than anybody. But the show was all around incredible. It was great to see guys like Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, and the Young Bucks speak about their time in Ring of Honor. I, I would have liked to see Vince have a heart for one night and let guys like Seth Rollins and Cesaro and Cedric Alexander and, you know, even Shelton Benjamin. I, w- I would have liked to see him let some of those guys have an opportunity to also do the same thing. Guys like Samoa Joe, it would, it would have been nice. Unfortunately, we know how Vince works, but it, it would have, I think the one final thing that would have just put this show right over the edge is if you would let talent from all companies send in vignettes, because then it would have even shown the ring of honors fingerprints were all over the place. Sadly, that is not how Vince works, but it was still very nice to see what, uh, the members of Tony Khan's roster were able to do for Ring of Honor, and it was it was awesome. It was a very emotional night. I I got a little choked up at the end. Didn't cry, but I got a little choked up because I've watched Ring of Honor for a long time. And if it is it is the absolute end of Ring of Honor, we will miss you. I I can't add much to that. I mean, other than my first exposure to Ring of Honor came in college Uh peter melnick you know the marvelists podcast yes who i'm jealous has interviewed matt cardona and i haven't so screw you peter (laughs) that's how i knew what ring of honor was right Uh, you know and it was it was the way I had found out about it and had to like watch it from those early times <laughs> reminded me of the original extreme championship wrestling Yep, to catch it on the MSG network, but it was never on, on the same day or the same time slot. Normally had to try and catch a ring of honor on it, like one or three in the morning. Or it was like one in the afternoon or yep. 3 30 in the afternoon. But it it, damn it, the, if you on like a Sunday, like when football's on, you know, so it was very hard to catch. But damn it, if you found it, you were happy. Yeah. So that was my first exposure. And then I just remember um, ring announcer Nick Lendell, he's on my Facebook being like the first ring announcer since the WWE of pro wrestling to announce in Madison square garden when ring of honor was at Madison square garden, which is a feat all in itself. If you remember, it was supposed to be a tie in with new Japan pro wrestling. Yep. And that actually lost a lot of star power. If you remember, because the whole AEW thing was starting at that point. So the names of Cody and the Young Bucks and stuff weren't weren't there for it, mm-hmm. which was a shame, but it was still a good show. It was an incredible show. 
you know, that's where fans got the exposure of CM Punk with, I believe, an awesome feud with the Raven. You know, with Raven. Yeah. WCW. Yeah. The epic feud between CM Punk and Samoa Joe as well. Yes. You know, just great matches that when you watch them, they can't be duplicated. Even though we want to see the CM Punk versus Brian Danielson and AEW, uh, you just you will never recreate some of these these great matches that Ring of Honor put on. And if it wasn't for Ring of Honor, as we said earlier, wrestling's landscape would be different today. So Ring of Honor, we thank you. With that being said, you can find us youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. We are on social media all over the place. You can find us on Facebook perched on the top rope. Find us on Twitter perched top rope. Find us on Instagram at perched on the top rope podcast. Speaking of podcasts, you can find us anywhere. Podcasts can be heard from Apple, from Google, from Amazon, from Podbean, from Podbay, from Red Circle. Just search Perched on the Top Rope. You can also find us on TikTok, TikTok, where I said we had that um, fan art of the inspiration with a bed of nails that someone had made of them. It's a very cool portrait. You can also find Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. Speaking of Kevin Sullivan, there's some recent controversies involving his friend Hannibal and Carlito in a match. Uh, We'll talk about that next week, though. Fans, always remember spoiler-free is the way to be. We're out. And Thank you, Ring of Honor. Raw sugar from hair care to body wash to lotions and more is made with cold-pressed extracts from clean, good-for-you ingredients, delivering a raw clean that infuses your senses with raw joy. Raw sugar, available at your local Target.